He is risen. Amen. We do not serve a defeated God. We do not serve a defeated king. The king that we serve is the king who is over everything. Amen? And today, we celebrate Easter. We celebrate Easter every day we believe in Christ and every day we celebrate Him. But today, the whole world recognizes what one man did. The whole world. It's not about bunnies. It's not about chocolate eggs. Although they're fun and they're tasty, but that has nothing to do with what Christ did. And I find it amazing how one person changed the calendar. One person changed the world the day he was born. He lived his life, and the day that he gave his life, and he died on the cross, and then he rose three days later, and the whole world remembers what he's done. And by the way, when he died, he didn't just die on a deathbed and then wake up three days later. I was reading this week about the, the death, the physical death that he bore for us. It was excruciating. When they gave him the stripes on his back, and they say there was 39 stripes, which was customary, the whip they used was not just a whip that you would whip a horse or something. It had shards in it, and it was designed to actually come, and when it caught, when it catch your back, it would actually rip into your back, and then when he pulled it back, it would rip the skin. And it was designed to induce pain. It was designed to torture. When he carried the cross... He was so weak and beaten, he couldn't carry the cross. When they nailed his hands onto the, the cross, some people believe they didn't just nail the hands, but some people believe they nailed the wrist. But nevertheless, it was designed so that his body weight, every breath, took energy, and it was um, part of the asphyxiation of his, uh, part of his death was, they believe, was possibly asphyxiation. I graduated from grade 12, but you'd never know it. Asphyxiation. Man, we'll stay here till 1230 if we have to, till I get that word right. You better start praying. <laughs> but he, every breath that he took, and with his feet nailed to the cross, the, they, they say that he, they'd lift up with their legs, and then they'd breathe, and then... And every one of those was painful. They put a crown of thorns and they didn't just put it on his head. They didn't just go, here's your crown. They set it and they placed it and they put it down and it jabbed into his skull and into the top of his head. Never, never belittle the price that he paid. Never, ever think it was insignificant. When you read, he actually, he knew what was coming. And when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he actually said, it says that he, he sweat drops of blood. 
And they say that is humanly possible under amazing stress. And the only time people will sweat blood is through pressure and stress and the anxiety or the torment of their being. And here he was and he sweat drips, drips of blood, drops of blood. He knew. And he said, God, if there's any way this can pass. And he says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours. And today we celebrate the life, the resurrection life that he had. Three days later, he rose victorious. And in that, in that act of dying on the cross when he said it was finished, he bore the sins of all mankind. There is nothing that goes beyond what Christ paid. There is nothing that goes beyond the price that he paid. His blood and his body that was shed for us. And today we celebrate that. I thank the worship team for leading us before his throne, but also leading us in remembrance of what he did. And Cleo, you did amazing. Way to go, sweetie. I'm proud of you. You know what I tried to sing once? <laughs> once. And Pastor Nelson, Grandpa, he said, okay, David's going to sing. I went up to the front and they couldn't get the thing going and I started to sing and I sang completely wrong. That was the one and only time. I figured I'll stick to preaching. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want to talk today about resurrection life. I want to talk today about the life that you and I can live and the life that has been provided for us by what Christ has done. And it's resurrection life. It's a life that is an overcoming life. Resurrection life defeated the one thing that nobody else could defeat. It defeated death. And Christ came and he trumped it. It says in Revelation that he has the keys of death and of hell. In another passage, it says he went down and he took captivity captive. And he defeated and he rose again. So today I want to share with you just a few thoughts about resurrection. And as I'm done, I'm going to give you an opportunity to see your life resurrected. But I'm also going to give you an opportunity at the end if you think, you know what, there's some aspects in my life that maybe I haven't lived to the full extent that God has for me. We're going to take a few moments to pray at the end. Hallelujah. The first thing I want you to see, if you can turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 5, 17. But I, the first thing I want you to see is resurrection is new life. It's not old life. The resurrection that Christ gives you and the resurrection that he lives and he paid for is a life that is new life. I've got a few verses that I'd like to share with you. I've got about three or four points. I know Dr. Brown always refers to don't do three, three points in a poem. So I'm doing four points and no poem. So that if he comes and he says, has pastor, you can just say he doesn't do three, three points in a poem. I'm going to read this out of a translation or a transliteration. It's called the message. 
And I'm going to read a couple verses ahead of this passage in 2 Corinthians 5. I'm going to start in verse 14. And sometimes these versions, they just give it to you in a little easier way to read it than King James because the these and the dows. And I mean, if I can't even pronounce asphyxiation, um, King James has got me already. So I'm just going to read this to you. It says, our firm decision is to work from this focused center. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life. A resurrected life, a resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. The life that we live, a resurrected life, is a life that is better than any life that we could live without Christ. Any life that you could live, if it doesn't include Christ, is not the best ultimate life that you could ever live. And it says here that he paid the price so that everyone, salvation is inclusive, it includes and it is able for everyone. Now not everyone accepts him, but he is able. He's not, he doesn't say, oh no, I don't, he says, I paid the price for all. It says, all who call upon him shall be saved. It's a new life. And then if you go down to verse 17, and I'm jumping around from one version to another. But if you go down to verse 17 of 2 Corinthians 5, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature Say new creature. New creature. You're not an old creature, you're a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What does it mean to be a new life in Christ? It means the old things don't no longer dictate what I do today. My past is literally past. I've told you I like to ride a bike. Yesterday I was on the road and I was coming down Mount Lehman and uh, I did something illegal <laughs> because I don't like to stop because I've stopped on my bike and I've fallen over. You laugh. I should get you the, the... I did it once on 264th and 16th. And I glided up to the stop. And you know those plastic cones that they have, you know, as barriers? Well, I saw it coming. And I'm on my bike and I'm slowing down. And my feet are stuck. And I'm thinking, no, I don't need to take them out. I'm just going to stop. And I see the, the cone coming. And I'm on my bike slowing down. And all of a sudden I see the cone... And then I passed the cone. And then I fell. <laughs> Cars all over. So, 
so yesterday when I came up to the stop sign at Mount Lehman in Huntington, I figured there was no vehicles around. I'm just going to swing over into the other lane and quickly turn left onto Huntington. And, and then when I get a chance, I'll swing over to the other side. And uh, so God be with me, Lord, I forgive me. And so as I'm riding along, I see a couple guys behind me as I finally get onto my side of the road on Mount Lehman. I mean on Huntington. And as I've told you before, when I see somebody, I can't ride my bike nicely. <laughs> it's like there's a target. I saw these two people behind me, and I was tired already, and I'd only been riding for five minutes. <laughs> I gave it everything I had. And I looked back a couple times. Oh, they're not catching up. They're not catching up. Old things have passed away. I'm trying to connect you. It's a, don't let your past cup catch up to your present. When you pass something, don't let it catch up to you again. If you go on a bike ride with me, don't let me go in front because you'll never get up to me again. But old things have passed away. Don't live in the past when God has given you a new future. And what does it mean for resurrected life? Resurrected life is new life. Old things have passed away. I don't live the old way. I don't live based on my old desires. I don't live based on my old habits. I don't even live based on my old thinking. In fact, if you look at the word repent, it actually means to change your thinking. When I become a new creation, I change the way I think. I change the way I believe. I change the way I walk. I change the way I talk. The old things are passed away. Resurrected life is new life. You don't have to take the old with you. You can say, no, you're done. I'm a new creature. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. That is one of the benefits of a resurrected life and resurrection life. Man, I am glad the past is over and done with. You don't have to dwell in the past. You don't have to keep living in the past. You don't even have to say, that's the way God made me. No, God made you a new creation. Sometimes we make excuses just so we don't have to change. Man, I didn't even have that in my notes. That was a pretty good one. Old things do not govern you. So what is resurrection life? It's new life. Have you ever had a new car? You know the new car smell? Just talk to Matthew. He's so proud of his go-kart. It's like <laughs> the new smell. I mean, it goes 50 downhill, but that's about it. But he is so excited. But it gives, there's a fresh smell. There's something beautiful about something new. God wants you to live new life every single day. The resurrection life that God has for you is new life. Point number one, done. Resurrection life number two is eternal life. 
Do you know the life that God has for you is eternal? Do you know what, when does eternal life start? It doesn't start when you die. It says in Ecclesiastes that he has placed eternity in our hearts, in us. So eternity has already begun. You don't have to wait till you die to experience the eternal life that God has for you. There's an aspect of eternal life that you can start living now. Because you are living as an eternal being. I might die physically, but I will go to see my Savior. And all it is, is just a graduation. But there's many of us, I have met them, and sometimes I know one of my pastors when I was a kid, he referred to them as those who had believed in the white knuckle club. They were hanging on till Jesus came. Don't live your life just hanging on, hoping he's going to come. Live your life living to the fullest based on what Christ has done. Live your life with the view of eternity now. Change the way you do things with the view of, I'm living a life that's eternal. There are things that I'm doing now that will follow me and take me and be with me in heaven. The people that I see saved, I will see them again in heaven. The children that we put our, our lives into and that we pour into in Sunday school, they get saved. I expect to see them in heaven. I've had the honor and privilege of seeing some people come to Christ. I will see them in heaven. If I don't see them now, I am living eternity now I am living with a focus of a huge life ahead of me not just till I die whenever that is 70 80 90 years old whatever that is I'm living forever and when you change the perspective on where you're living and your timeline it changes how you live I'll give you a verse for that in John 10 Verse 10, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's talking about the shepherds and he's talking about how those who hear him, he has a door and it opens for them and he talks about the difference between a shepherd and a thief and he says a thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. I'm here to tell you if somebody's come to steal, kill and destroy, that's not God. That's not God. God does not come to steal from you. God does not come to destroy you. He will come to break you so that he can make you. But he doesn't destroy you. Thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God is not interested in killing you. God is interested in killing the flesh so that he can live. And he says in John 10, 10, talking about living eternal life, he says, I have come, he says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. The life that Christ has for you to live and experience is not just living and breathing, but it's more abundantly. It is so full, it overflows. It can't be contained just in who you are. But the life that God has for you is designed to be abundant. It is designed to be more than enough. It is designed to overflow. It's designed to ooze out from you to someone else. 
It's designed to be so when someone touches you, they take something that you've got called the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, with them and it affects other people. My passion, one of my passions, I got a lot of them, but one of my passions is to walk into a place and change the atmosphere in that place because I've got abundant life in me. I'm not interested just walking into a place. I'm interested in changing the atmosphere. And you do that because you've got abundant life. You don't got insufficient life. I might be a human frame, but I've got a divine creator. And the life that he gives is abundant. And as we celebrate Easter, we are celebrating life that overcomes death. Life that overcomes the one thing that people fear probably more than anything else. People fear death. People are hanging on. People don't want to go. People, they're trying to grapple with life. We don't need to grapple with life because we have a king who died for us, who resurrected and he conquered death so that we can have eternal life. Abundant life. John 3, 16. Many of us know that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, I said earlier, everyone, whosoever believes on him. Doesn't matter the name. It doesn't matter your color. It doesn't matter how big you are, how small you are. Whoever believes on him shall not perish but have pathetic life. Is that what it says? Everlasting. Jesus paid a price for you so that you could have life abundant. You could have life everlasting. And you don't have to wait till you're in the coffin. You can do it now. I believe Christians should be the happiest people to be around. That's why I'm always trying to tell jokes. Because if I tell a good one, you'll laugh, and I tell a bad one, you'll laugh. It doesn't matter. You laugh whether you're feeling sorry for me or not. I believe we should be the happiest people on the earth. Disneyland does not have that. They shouldn't have that at Disneyland. They should have that where the God's people are. Because I've got eternal life. I've got life that goes beyond the breath that I breathe. I've got life that goes beyond this frame. I've got life that will never end. Never end. I'm on point number three. Wow, you're doing pretty good. I, I think I am. Resurrection life, number three, is an overcoming life. You are designed to be an overcomer. And Christ paid the price so that you can overcome. And that is consistent throughout Scripture. If you go back to Genesis, the first words that we have recorded that God said to man was, He said, be fruitful, multiply, subdue, and have dominion over this earth. And that carries along with it the aspect of having a life that is overcoming. If you go to Deuteronomy 28, you want to get your... I know Mythbusters says it's not possible to blow your socks off. But if you want to blow your socks off, go to Deuteronomy 28 and read about the first seven or eight verses. Because what it does is it shows you the picture of what a believer who calls on Christ, follows Christ, it shows a picture of what you can expect as a believer. 
You're the head, not the tail. As I've said at other times, when you're the tail, you stink. But when you're the head, you don't. God has designed you to be above, not below. God has designed, has designed it so that, you know what? He has said nations will come to you. They will, many people will come to you. When you read the Bible, you find out, you know what? The prophets actually were people that consult. The kings came to consult from the prophets. Can you imagine legislators coming to you and asking you questions because you serve God and you have a God who sees God wants you to live an overcoming life. In Revelation 1.18, it says, this is a picture of Jesus, and he's talking to John there, and he says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, for I have the keys of hell and of death. Last night, Pastor Winona and I were at somebody's house, and there was a couple doors that they closed. And as we're talking, the, the, the guy says to me, um, I locked those doors and I got the key. Because I've got children that will get into it and they just take everything from one room to another. And I says, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> I got four of them. And they don't change once they hit 20. <laughs> <laughs> We'll pray for you later, Adrian. <laughs> you should have thought of that before you had number six. <laughs> but he has a key. What he does is he locks the door, and now he's got the authority. And nobody can get in that room without the key. Nobody can get in that room without the key. And Jesus, he took the key. He's got the keys of death. In hell. He's the one that has those keys. He's the one that overcame. He's the one that overcame. So because he overcame, you and I can overcome. Because it says, in, I believe it's in Hebrews, it says he became the first fruit of many brethren. He, he planted himself as a seed so that we would be able to rise like him. Sometimes I think we live a substandard life. We don't live a resurrected life. We don't live a life that exemplifies, amplifies, or describes a life that overcomes, but we live a life that is dreary, drab, ho-hum, and woe is me. I don't see that in the scriptures. The life that God has for you as a believer is for you to be an overcomer. And when I read it, I see no ands, ifs, or buts, but I see yes and amen. The promises of God are yes and amen. An overcoming life. It says in Romans 8 verse 11, I'll read this from the NIV. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. Okay, so let's follow along. If the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, is the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead living in you? Okay, so as a believer, we can say, yes, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead 
is the same spirit that lives in me. So the spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that lives in me. The spirit that raised Christ from the dead overcame death, was victorious over death, was the one that said, it's time to go, rise up. That spirit that caused Christ to rise from the dead is the same spirit that lives in me. Man, am I living like that? I got to be honest with you, there's things I, I, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm living like that yet. I'm still waiting for my shadow to see someone get healed. You want to be around me on a sunny day because I'm going to be going like this. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. In other words, he isn't defined just to give it to your spiritual body, but the same spirit will also quicken your mortal bodies. The body that decays, he's able to come and quicken it. And that word quicken means to make alive. He will make you alive. Hallelujah. Because of his spirit who lives in you. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with him. And because he died, was buried and rose again and rose victorious, you and I can expect to live a victorious life. You can expect to be victorious. Change, I need to change the way I think. I need to change the way I think. I need to sometimes wipe the dust off the mirror and give myself a spiritual pep talk. David, you are victorious. Have you ever done that in the mirror? Thank you, Monique. One honest person. You know, do it with the Chuck Norris voice. Do it with the Arnold Schwarzenegger voice. I don't care which voice you do it. You have to convince yourself, but you can do it. You are more than a conqueror. You are victorious. You have victorious life. You have life that overcomes death inside of you. That is what you have as a believer. That is the price that Christ paid. Don't belittle it. Man, I'm challenged to live a life that is a life that reflects his resurrection. Not just on April the 5th or the 6th every year. I expect to do it 365 days and every four years, 366 days. I expect to live it 24-7. 168 hours a week. I don't know how many hours in a year, but 168 hours a week. I expect every breath that I take is a breath that is an overcoming breath. Because he paid the price. Can you imagine what would happen if we started to live and to think like that more often? Can you imagine the conversations you would have? I'm an overcomer. I'm an overcomer. Weapons that you thought could defeat me, they ain't going to defeat me. I'm an overcomer. 
Because he paid the price, I get to walk in the newness of life. I get to experience overcoming life. I get to experience everlasting life. The life that I have doesn't have an end date on it. It's not decaying and going down, although my human body may experience it, but my spiritual being is forever. You have an overcoming life. And the last thing I want to say, the last point, it's not the last thing, the last point, point number four, resurrection life is available for you. It's for all of us. In 1 Peter 1, I want to read this out of the message. Sometimes I like to read other versions just to make myself mess with myself. Because you, you memorize things and you learn things and then you read it from a different you know, way it's structured, even the way the sentences are structured. But here he says, what a God we have. 1 Peter 1, verses 3 to 5. What a God we have. Amen? I mean, you can say amen anywhere, okay? And how fortunate we are to have him. Amen. This father of our master Jesus, because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life. <laughs> we've been given a brand new life. And have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. Don't just think eternity is just for now. It's also forever. But sometimes we place eternity on the shelf and say, when I die. Well, no, there's, there's some things in the Bible that are for now, but there's also some things in the Bible that are for now and forever. It's something amazing about living a Christian life and the life that God gave and everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And then he says, and the future starts now. The future starts now. Don't wait for the future to start. The life that he has available for you starts now. Don't wait for it to start. Don't put it off. Don't procrastinate and say, I'll do it tomorrow. First thing, you know, I'm going to stop putting things off starting tomorrow morning. No, that's wrong. Hallelujah. It says in, I, I love this passage in Colossians 2. This resurrection life is available for you. And in Colossians 2 verse 14, it says that he blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. Do you know the enemy has a whole list of ordinances written up against you? All these things that you're not good enough. You're too short. You're not pretty enough. Your voice squeaks. You can't sing when they turn on the tape. You can't do this. Your past was this. You came from a family was this. You'd, and, and the enemy has all these things that he wants to stick up in front of you. Ordinances. And it says here in Colossians 2 that Jesus came and he blotted out the handwriting. It literally means he wiped them away. It's almost like if there was a chalkboard and all these words and Jesus came and he just wiped them away. He just wiped them away, and he wipes them away really good. I try to wipe off a chalkboard, and it's bad, but he, he does it, and it's like he wipes it clean. 
All those things that the enemy thought he could just throw at you, you're not good enough, wiped away. You have a bad past, wiped away. You think bad things, wiped away. You actually yelled at your wife this morning. <laughs> Please forgive me, honey. No, I, I wiped away. You actually said a bad word, wiped away. Come on. You have a past that is so poor, wiped away. The enemy wants to come and throw all these things at you. And Jesus, it says, he came and he wiped them away, which was all those things that were contrary to you. Those things which are against, and he took it out of the way. And how do you know he took it out of the way? It says, because he nailed it to his cross. As they would say, he nailed it. He nailed it. One try. Nothing but net. He nailed it. He did it right the first time. And everything that was up against you, all the accusations, all the things the enemy could throw at you, your past, your future, the mistakes you made as a young person, the things that you're living with now, and all those things, and you don't have this, you don't have that. And he throws them at you. He wiped them away when he went to the cross, and it says that he was nailed to the cross. And at the cross, he says, it is finished. Quit dragging up the past when you have a resurrected life in front of you that is full, that's real, that is new, that is everlasting. That is who God has and what he has for you. Today, we celebrate what he did, but I want to cause you to think on how you live going forward. Man, you can change the atmosphere you live in. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to do this or that. You just be who you are, where you are, but living a life that's victorious. Living a life that says, he paid the price so that I could live this life. It's available. It says in Romans 10, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So whether you know him today and you just say, I'm living substandard, because I think sometimes we do. I have yet to meet a believer that's living 100%. I've got to be honest with you, because we're human. There's, but I've yet to meet someone that's living 100%. Some people are living better than I am. I'm not there yet. This applies to me. I need to live a life that is full of who he is. But even if you don't know him, there's hope. Because today, you can change your future. Today, you can say the past is past. And the future starts now. Because of the resurrection and you can celebrate Easter with a picture that is greater than some other. You can say, when were you born again? I was born again the same day Jesus got raised from the dead. You celebrate that day every, every year. I celebrate that birthday. In Ephesians 2, 
It talks about how it's a gift of God. It's not something you work for. It's not something you work for. This is something Christ paid for. It's a free gift. It's something that you stand there and you say, Lord, I come just as I am. I'm, I can't bring anything to the table. I mean, nothing beats him on the cross. So you paid it completely. And it's a free gift. For God so loved the world that he gave. So I want to take a moment here. I want to give you an opportunity to experience new life. I want to give you an opportunity to change your future now. It says to accept Christ, we call on his name. We don't have to do 17 steps. We don't have to. It just says, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In Acts, when they said to Peter, what must we do? He says, repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. It changes who rules my mind. And it's no longer David. It's now Jesus. And the filter, that when those thoughts come, now they start to change. And they're filtered now through the fact that I am a child of God. I've changed my address. So I want to give... An opportunity. I've got a couple ways, a couple thoughts. Some of you might not know Christ yet. I want to give you an opportunity to accept him now. And there might be some of you here that know Christ, but you go, you know what? I've been letting the past dictate my future. There might be some of you here that go, you know what, I, I'm not a victorious Christian the way I should be. I mean, we're all human. This is, this is a safe place. This is not a place of judgment or condemnation. This is a place of growth, of birth, and victory. So what I'd like you to do, I'd like you just to bow your heads, everyone. If you could bow your heads and you close your eyes. And I'm going to make, extend two opportunities. The first opportunity I want to extend to you is if you do not know Christ as your Savior today, if somebody was to ask you, if you were to die, do you know where you're going? And you say, well, I'm not sure. I want to give you the opportunity to change your future. So if you do not know Christ as your Savior and you'd like to today, and you want to experience the resurrected life, I just want to give you an opportunity while all our heads are bowed for you just to raise your hand. I'd like to pray for you. If that's you, if there's anybody here, I want to give you the opportunity to accept Christ, to change your future. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If there's anyone here today that you say, you know what, I, I know Christ. I know Jesus. I believe in him. 
But man, I never looked at resurrected life and the resurrection life the, the way that you just said in those scriptures. I'd like to pray for you. If there's anyone here that thinks you might be living a life that isn't quite to the potential God has for you, I want you just to raise your hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to just pray together, all of us. I'll start, I'll say a phrase, and then I'd like you just to join with me. I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but I'm going to ask you to pray with me, all of us together. Even if you didn't raise your hand, we can just all pray. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you have given me a life that is a resurrected life. Help me grow in knowing the power of a resurrected life. Be with me. Change me. Cause me to hear your voice more. Also, Lord, I thank you that you've given me life everlasting. And I thank you for the free gift of salvation. Forgiveness. Unconditional love. And eternal life. And I believe in you. And I confess with my mouth. And I believe in my heart. That you are my Savior. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to congratulate you. Those of you who made that commitment, who made that statement, who recognized that. I want to congratulate you. I want to encourage you. I want to bless you. Amen. Today, it's all about Jesus. Tomorrow, it's all about Jesus. Tuesday, it's all about Jesus. But I want to encourage you to change the way you think and look at the price that he paid so that we can enjoy life everlasting. Hallelujah. Now, in closing, I'm not going to preach anymore. That was a good place for an amen. Um, on the way to church this morning, my wife, uh, God gave her a picture of lungs. And we're learning ourselves to grow in what God tells us and what God shows us. So if there's anybody here, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, honey, but if there's anybody here that has any issues with your lungs, we want to be obedient to what God showed her and give you an opportunity for healing and for prayer. So if there's anybody here, and this isn't, we're not trying to be uh, facetious at all, this if, if there's anybody here that struggles with a lung issue, 
I want to give you an opportunity to identify with that and experience prayer and, I believe, healing. So if you are, I'd like you to come forward. If there's anybody else here that needs prayer for any issue that you are facing, whether it's salvation, whether it's overcoming, I want you to come forward. We're going to take a few moments and we're going to pray this morning. So if you need some prayer, I want you to feel free to come forward. Amen? Why don't you just play? And we're going to take a moment. We're going to pray. You are free to, to leave. You're free to be dismissed. Can I just ask for a couple people to come forward to pray with us? Amen. Or Adrian. Sean. I don't know if you and Arianna or if just you are available. I know with your children. Amen. We do body ministry. And some of you have been trained. Brother Howard and Kathy, I'd love for you to be able to, to minister this morning. Amen. If you're staying, I just ask you to, to be in an attitude of prayer and extend your hands forward in agreement. Sister Sandra and Mike, I'd like you to come and pray. Amen. Amen.